This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This week on Wealth Track, two retirement experts, Kim Langford and Chris Blunt, address the rising costs of retirement and how to conquer them. They are next on Consuelo Mac Wealth Track. New York Life, along with Mainstay's family of mutual funds, offers investment and retirement solutions so you can help your clients keep good going. Additional funding provided by Thornburg Investment Management, Active Management, Flexible Perspective. Ku and Patricia Ewan through the Ewan Foundation, committed to bridging cultural differences. Rosalind P. Walter and the Fairholme Foundation. Hello and welcome to this edition of Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack. Inflation might be low statistically, but in the real world of retirement, costs are going up. Every year since 2002, Fidelity has estimated what the health care and medical expenses for a 65-year-old couple will be through their retirement. They figure 20 years for the man, a life expectancy of 85, and 22 years for the woman to 87. Are you sitting down? This year's projected health care cost number is $275,000 for that hypothetical 65-year-old couple. That's a 6% increase over 2016 when the estimate was 260000 and a more than 70% increase from their inaugural estimate of 160000 in 2002. What about Medicare? Well, amazingly, it is still expected to cover the bulk of your health care costs after retirement. But these are expenses in addition to what Medicare covers. They include monthly expenses for Medicare premiums, co-payments and deductibles, Part B for doctor's visits and outpatient care. Medicare Part D prescription drug coverage plus out-of-pocket drug costs. It does not include the cost of nursing home or long-term care. Even with Medicare, health care is one of the largest expenses retirees face. But what about all those other expenses? Food, shelter, clothing, travel, entertainment. The numbers add up quickly, which is why this week's guests have devoted a good part of their careers to helping people plan and manage their retirement. Christopher Blunt is himself a recent retiree from being a full-time executive, but he is active on several boards. In the nonprofit sector, he is board chair of the YMCA of Greater New York, the country's oldest and largest YMCA organization chair of Benefunder, which connects high net worth donors to top university researchers, and in the for-profit sector, a director of the principal funds. Formerly, Blunt held several top positions at New York Life, including president of the Investments Group and head of its Retirement Income Security Group. Kimberly Langford is an award-winning personal finance journalist, contributing editor and columnist for Kiplinger's Personal Finance magazine, an acknowledged expert on insurance. She also has an expertise in military benefits for veterans and is the author of several books, including The Insurance Maze, How to Save Money on Insurance and Still Get the Coverage You Need. Both guests agree that the first step toward a secure retirement is to see a financial planner. 
I think it's critical for a couple of reasons. The first is, uh, one, the space is complex. You know, the vehicles can be complex. And, you know, retirement's a process. It's not about a singular product. It's really how those products work together. And then the other is just the behavioral coaching aspect. You know, the, there's a reason the best athletes have coaches. And I think most of us, and, fr- and frankly, sometimes some of us in the financial space are the worst clients because, you know, you know a lot about the underlying vehicles, but you still need someone to provide that nudge, to provide some coaching, to provide some education, and to keep up with all the changes. What are the bases that one should, the essential points that one should touch on, Kim, with a financial planner in planning for your retirement? Well, I think a lot of people think about their regular expenses in retirement. They think about their dreams, too, about going on vacation, traveling, seeing grandkids. But a lot of times they overlook the health care costs. And they think, oh, once they're on 65 and on Medicare, everything is covered. But actually, you may have hundreds of thousands of dollars in out-of-pocket medical expenses. Um, even after age 65, Fidelity just did a study. And this year, if a couple that's retiring at age 65 this year will have 275 in out-of-pocket medical expenses throughout the retirement. And this is things in addition to Medicare. These are your Medicare premiums, filling in the gaps, prescription drug costs, and it doesn't count the potential costs of long-term care. That can really, really add up. Chris, I'm listening to this. I mean, you're a retirement expert. $275,000 is just a huge nut for most couples to cover. I mean, how realistic is that that we can actually, most of us could cover that in retirement? Yeah, well, I think, you know, Kim hit it. One, it's, yeah. um, it, it's a big part of why people need more retirement savings than right. they think they realize. It's also a reason why you've got to do your homework and go deep on some of these plans and some of the insurance coverages. Um, you know, Kim also mentioned long-term care. That's right. one that I just run into regularly where, you know, people who have it wish they had gotten bigger policies. People that don't have it wish they could roll back the clock and have policies. So, that's, that's another big one. So the out-of-pocket medical costs are a big one, but the one that hits a lot of people is long-term care, which is not just nursing home care. That could be the cost of someone to care for you in your own home. Right. Bring us up to speed on the state of the long-term care that, that is available to individuals now. Sure. Yeah. Well, as most people know, there have been a lot of premium increases. You know, this was a yes. product that was brand new 20, 25 years ago. And you know, a lot of actuaries did their best to assume where interest rates might go and how long people will hold these policies. And the reality is, you know, the industry was wrong. You know, rates have plummeted. People are keeping these policies much longer, using them more. So a lot of people have had to endure some pretty hefty premium increases for long-term care. But what's interesting is they're not lapsing their policies, meaning they know how valuable this coverage is, often because they're seeing a parent or a grandparent you know, be in a position and they realize firsthand how expensive it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing that's happening, big development, and I think it's a positive one, is there's a lot of different products now for long-term care, not just the pure, you pay a premium and we'll give you a per diem rate to help you with nursing home care, but you can have a rider on a life insurance policy where you can accelerate some of the face value to pay for long-term care. Mm -hmm. You can have an annuity that has a long-term care benefit attached to it. So I think it's a very positive development, and you're seeing uh, pretty robust sales in those types of products as well. And Kim, you had mentioned to me um, earlier that at Kiplinger's that you are getting a ton of questions about medical costs and Medicare specifically. 
So what do we need to know? Well, it's really interesting that a lot of people just assume it's going to be easy, that they turn 65 and they'll go on Medicare. Well, so many people, first of all, are still working past age 65. And so they need to make a lot of different decisions than you would have back in the old days when you just you know, signed up and that was it. Right. Um, a lot of times they're delaying signing up for Part B um, in order to keep their coverage at work and then pay the premiums for Part B. And by the way, premiums for Part B, if you're signing up now, now are about $134 a month. And if you have more than $85,000 in income if you're single or $170 if you're married filing jointly, you have even higher premiums. You have to pay a high income surcharge. And keep in mind, even if you're not working but you're withdrawing money from your retirement plans that was tax deferred, you're still having quite a high income. So you really need to keep some of these expenses in mind and also things to fill in gaps. One of the key things that Medicare doesn't cover is prescription drugs. So you can either buy a Part D prescription drug policy, Mm -hmm. which is about $34 a month, and then still have some out-of-pocket costs there, or have all your medical and drug costs covered by Medicare Advantage plan. So you have all these different choices, and all of them cost different amounts of money, and it's really important to, first of all, be very careful when choosing how to fill in those gaps when you first retire. And then, if you have the option during open enrollment season every year to take another look at those Part D policies or Medicare Medicare Advantage plans in your area and see if there's a better one for your particular drugs and needs. You get a chance to do that every fall. And, and so the, and the open enrollment is from about October 15th to December? To December 7th. 7th. And so that is the time that every year, take a look at, if you have a Part D prescription drug policy, look at what the costs are under the plans in your area for your particular drugs. Don't just look at premiums because your drugs may be mm-hmm. very expensive under those plans. You can go to medicare.gov slash find hyphen A hyphen plan. It's the Medicare plan finder, and it really helps you walk through the whole thing, the whole process look at those total costs. And there are places that you can go in in your local states, for instance, because the coverage is different, right? In in every state, a lot of the plans differ. That's correct. Um, So that there are places that you can go to find specifically in your state what are the best plans for you, correct? Right, there's the state health insurance assistance programs. It's called right. SHIP programs. And a lot of them are run by the area agencies on aging. And um, if you go to shiptacenter.org or call 1-800-MEDICARE, they will help connect you with the local SHIP. And they can walk you through what your options are, especially if, you know, if you're not as internet savvy to be able to use the Medicare plan finder on medicare.gov. Right. They will walk you through all of those options. You can go to them with a list of your medications, a list of the types of of doctors that you go to, the hospitals you want to be able to go to if you're looking at Medicare Advantage, and they can help walk you through what those costs will be. So it's really good that there is a lot of help and um, and between the SHIP and the Medicare.gov site. So Chris, you just retired, even though you were way too young to look <laughs> like you have retired, um, and, and you're looking at the mistakes that, that people make. And one of them is people make mistakes early in retirement. What's one of the biggest mistakes that people make? Yeah, that's probably the biggest one is I think, yeah, you see folks just spending too much money in those first few years. And it's largely because they haven't taken the time and been disciplined about putting a plan together, being realistic about how much money they can withdraw mm-hmm. from their savings. And, you know, it's just pure math. If you withdraw too much early, you really can't catch up. It has a compounding yeah. effect. So that's one. I think another one, frankly, is um, you know you see folks that uh, rightfully want to be generous with other family members. You know, uh, there's a psychology that happens with the big lump sum, where you know just human beings, as a rule, we all overvalue that lump sum because it seems like a very big number. 
but you're not thinking, this has got to last me 30, maybe 40 years into retirement. So it can dissipate quickly. So, you know, I, I often say to, to clients uh, that, you know, you have to learn the art of no. Right. Um, particularly since in many cases, they're being generous with family members who, if they run out of money, it's going to come back to haunt them. In other words, those are those same family members may have to bail them out. So, Chris, the withdrawal rate, it used to be 5%, now it's down to 4%, and you think that is even a little bit ambitious. Yeah, you know, when I started in the business, it was just sort of a rule of thumb that you can take 5% out of your savings you know, every year and probably not have an undue risk of, of outliving your money. And right. as interest rates have plummeted, you know, that came down to four. And now there's a lot of academics that are saying that three and a half mm. is probably as high as you might want to go. Now, I, you know, I'm sympathetic. It's difficult for most people. They look at the amount of money they've saved and you put a three and a half percent multiplier on it. It's not enough money for them to live off of. But I, right. think, I think the real key is to be realistic about what that number is and how much money you can you can safely withdraw because if even half your portfolio is in bonds it's very difficult to get much more than three percent uh, on a bond portfolio these days so right off the bat you're starting with you know a portion of your portfolio that's underneath that four percent hurdle and, and is that even realistic to have let's say half of your portfolio in bonds anytime someone tries to simplify this and give people a simple formula or a simple right. number you know, it's, it's just too difficult. So, I, you know, I tend to be a fan of what's called the bucket of money approach, mm-hmm. where even if it's mental, to just mentally segment your dollars. So there's some amount of money that you need to set aside because you're going to spend it in the next five years of retirement. Well, that needs to be in very safe, probably low-yielding mm-hmm. investments because it's got to be there. But the money that you know you don't need to touch, but you will need to touch it when you're 85, mm-hmm. well, that should probably be overwhelmingly in equities because mm-hmm. you've got that long time horizon. And that gives you an opportunity for some growth, an opportunity to keep pace with inflation. So uh, it's difficult to blend it all together in one number or say a 60-40 blend is the right answer for everybody. I think you really want to go through what's the cash flow need over that lifetime. Mm-hmm. And you know the biggest thing that's game changing in retirement is, you know we've, we've talked about this before, when Social Security was created, the average life expectancy was 67. Right. It's, it's now 85 to 90. Now there's a one in four chance that one member of a couple is going to live well into their 90s. So that, that just changes the math completely. Right. And, and one of the things, Kim, that we've talked about with both, both you and Chris is when you're talking about 85 plus, is there are actually annuities that you can buy that kick in at 85. And I, and I wanted to talk in this session about insurance because it's, it's something that is often overlooked uh, as, a, as a source of income uh, in, in retirement. Well, the, one of the big risks is you have absolutely no idea how long you're going to live. Right. So you can look at the averages and you can very carefully plan your calculations based on living till 85, for example. But if you end up living till 95, you have 10 extra years. So as you mentioned, there's certain annuities that will pay out way in the future, deferred way long in the future, and pay out, for example, at 85 or 80 if you end up living that long. And that actually really helps out. You invest a lump sum now, and you can't touch it for a long time, but you get even more money at that point because you're pooling your risk with other people. Some people will live much longer, some people won't. But for the people who live longer, then you know that you have the money coming in every year. So you can really plan a beginning date and an end date for the rest of your investments, which otherwise you really can't do. What is the? T- what should we talk to a financial planner about? These what? are deferred income, deferred annuities, income annuities. Or there's a new version called a QLAC. Um, 
And that's just a version that helps you um, avoid having to take required minimum distributions on that money um, at 70 and a half, which is also something I get a lot of questions about from readers. So many of them are starting to have to take money out of their retirement plans, maybe hadn't had to touch some of those plans yet, but now have to start taking out the money and have to start paying taxes on it. By investing some money in a QLAC, um, they don't have to include that money in their required minimum distribution calculation. So it just means that they can defer paying taxes on that even beyond age 70 and a half, which is becoming very important to a lot of our readers. Right. Um, and, and Chris, life insurance, because a, a lot of you know, retired couples or older couples, their children are you know, hopefully self-sufficient adults. They're thinking, I, I, you know, I no longer need to support a family. Talk to us about you know, why life insurance, before you cancel that plan, why you might want to consider continuing to, play, to pay the premiums. Carriers over the years have added a lot of what they call living benefits to life insurance. Mm-hmm. So the, the purest form of life insurance, you buy a term policy, say, for 20 years, and if something disastrous happens, money gets paid. And I think that's how most of us think of what life insurance is right. and does. But actually, the bigger part of the market is permanent life insurance. So a whole life contract, a universal life contract, for example, where you're actually building up cash value as well. And that's got numerous benefits. One, you can borrow against it in retirement. And you see clients doing this all the time where Mm -hmm. it's their only quick source of funds where Mm -hmm. they don't have to pay an exorbitant rate to access the money. Um, Most contracts have an embedded annuitization feature, so you can turn it into guaranteed lifetime income. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you've got an older contract, it's worth looking at the terms within the contract, because many of them were written a long time ago, that embedded annuitization rate is really attractive today. So that's something that a good financial advisor will get to the bottom of and help you decide if that's a contract that's worth annuitizing. Um, On a lot of the newer policies today, I mentioned they have things like long-term care riders. Mm -hmm. So with a long-term care rider, maybe you pay four or five percent more premium than you'd normally pay for your life insurance contract. But if you have a long-term care event, whether you need a home health aid around the clock, which I'm dealing with right now for a relative, Mm -hmm. you can access, in many cases, up to 50 percent of the face value, not the cash value, the face value of the contract. So Think about that, you've got a $500,000 permanent life insurance policy. One of these events happen, you could use up to $250,000 for long-term care. Now you're, now you're, you know, when you die, you're gonna get 250, not 500, but that can be game-changing for a family to have access to that. So that's one, I look at it, when you look at the cost, in many cases you conclude it's just just a no-brainer. Right, and and Kim, are are you, you know, finding that as well, that the, actually that life insurance policy can really come in handy, especially considering that so many people really have underfunded their retirement. Well, and that's exactly right. And you also, if you do have a pension, need to really keep in mind whether there is a spousal death benefit on the pension, because that makes right. a huge difference. Because a lot of people may have chosen to take a higher pension amount because maybe they hadn't saved enough. And as a result, their spouse may not get anything after they pass away. Also with Social Security, a lot of people don't realize that they might not get as much after they pass away. Their spouse will have to live on less income 
than you had with the two uh, payouts combined. So you really need to keep those things in mind. Also, those combination policies, the ones that provide both long-term care and life insurance, are very intriguing to a lot of our readers because they're worried, what if they don't need long-term care? What Mm -hmm. if they end up being very healthy and then just passing away? Um, They don't want to spend all that money on premiums. So with this, they know that the money is going to go somewhere. It's either going to go to their spouse or their children, or it's going to pay for long-term care. And those are two very, very important needs for them. You know, Chris, one of the things, again, looking at, at, at retirement is that some of the other issues that people don't really consider, you said, are behavioral. Well, one big one, and Kim just touched on this. I mean, you can, you can make an argument that retirement is a women's issue because mm-hmm. women outlive men. Um, back to the mistakes that people make in retirement, what often happens, less so today, but certainly uh, in generations before, you know, finances were the man's world, right. and they covered all that. And I, I'm going through this right now with my aunt. My uncle passed away five years ago, and you know, he clearly did everything, and right. she did not have a sense of what was happening. And yet, she's really bearing the brunt of this because she's already outlived him by five years, and for all we know, could outlive him for another ten. So right. it's really important. So the other thing I think, uh, Kim, that you had mentioned to me uh, in a previous conversation was. The fact that you know once once you're you're on Medicare and you've got your you know your Medigap insurance or whatever that you really need to renew it or review it rather every year for any number of reasons. So why is that so important? Well, your healthcare costs change from year to year. Right. Your Medigap, it does become di- more difficult to shop around from year to year because after the first six months after you've originally signed up for Part B, that's when you can get any Medigap policy. And after that, if you try to switch, you actually, pre-existing conditions can enter into the cost or you could be denied by an insurer. So even though- So still, I mean, still, even, though even though the rest Obamacare of Obamacare has not been repealed, yet, that is still a factor. That is still a factor for Medigap. But the key thing is if you have Part D for prescription drug coverage or Medicare Advantage, which is where you have both your drugs and your medical costs covered by a private company, in those cases, you can switch plans from year to year. And that's during open enrollment in the fall. And it's very important because your health care plans, your health care needs change from year to year, and the plans change from year to year as well. So take a look at what the drug coverage is. Take a look at whether your doctors are still included, whether the hospitals you want to go to are included, and what the total out-of-pocket costs could be for you, not just the premiums. And it's mm-hmm. really about financial independence, mm-hmm. right, of putting people in control of their destiny. So a good financial advisor really has, in my opinion, one job, and that's to get you to that point of independence as quickly but as prudently as possible. Very few people actually call the day of their retirement. Some are really fortunate to do that, but what happens more often than not, they're downsized by a company. They have a health issue. Their spouse has a health issue. Right. There's a child care issue that pulls them out of the workforce. Or an elderly so, parent issue. So right. you could build a beautiful plan that says, I'm going to retire at 65. But if one of those things happen and it's 57 or 58 or 53, well, that changes everything. So it's mm-hmm. really about how can I, without sacrificing any form of a life today, prepare myself to put myself in that good position of somewhat independence. And the independence is a key thing, just based on the questions I get from readers. I get questions from so many readers who are over 70 and a half, and they're still doing some consulting work or some freelance work, or they're doing a small job, just a few hours a week, and they want to know about whether they need to take their required minimum distributions. But the key thing is that they're still doing some kind of work. And sometimes it's for money, and it's a lot less money than they may have been earning in the past, but it still makes a big difference. 
Kim Langford, one investment for a long-term diversified portfolio, what would you have all of us own some of or do? I think the most important thing is a health savings account, an HSA. And this gives you a triple tax break. If you have a high deductible health insurance policy, which so many more people have these days, right. you get to put in the money pre-tax or tax deductible. It grows tax deferred, and then you can use it at any time in the future, tax-free for medical expenses. So you don't have to use it by the end of the year like FSAs that people have at work. You can use it 10, 20 years in the future. Even though you can't make new contributions after you're on Medicare, you can use the money from the HSA for all kinds of medical expenses, plus Medicare premiums, Medicare Advantage premiums, Part D premiums, and you can even use a portion of it for long-term care premiums based on your age. Right. Chris, what would yours be? Closely related to that, you know, have a long-term care plan. So that could be long-term care insurance. It could be a rider on your insurance policy. It could be an annuity. But I think that's the one thing, you know, I, you know it's called long-term care. You could argue it's really retirement insurance. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can do a lot of things right and have it all blow up because of a long-term care event. So I would say plan for long-term care in one way, shape, or another. So Chris Blunt, thank you so much for being with us on Wealth Track. And Kim Langford, it's lovely to have you here, too. Thanks, yeah. both of you, for Thank being you. here. Thank you. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is don't overlook the contribution that life insurance can make for retirement. In its simplest form, such as term life, it provides immediate cash to any beneficiary to cover expenses. It is also a tax-free benefit. As discussed, there are permanent life insurance policies that offer much more. You can borrow money from them in retirement. Many contracts have an embedded annuitization feature, which can be turned into a guaranteed stream of income for life. Some newer policies offer long-term care riders that enable you to use the policy for long-term care costs. It's worth discussing these options with a financial planner, many of whom are knowledgeable about life insurance as well. Next week, we are going to search for income in emerging markets with Andrew Foster, who runs the Morningstar Silver Medalist Seafarer Overseas Growth and Income Fund. This week on our website's extra feature, Chris Blunt and Kim Langford share their personal motivations for devoting so much of their careers to helping people achieve secure retirements. It's a calling for both. Please keep sharing your thoughts with us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for watching. Have a great weekend and make the week ahead a profitable and a productive one.